Matthew chapter 21, beginning in verse 1. Matthew 21 and 1. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? Say, who is this? The crowd gathered. This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. May the Lord add his blessing and the Holy Spirit's teaching to his holy word this morning. Please be seated. We are exploring the question during this season, who is Jesus? Someone say, who is Jesus? In the day and age of the writing of this narrative that we just read by Matthew, the whole world and that whole culture was asking the question, who is this Jesus? The disciples had their opinion of who Jesus was. The Pharisees and the religious leaders of the Jews had formulated their opinions on who Jesus was. Those such as the paralytic, the blind, and the lame that had been gloriously healed had discovered Jesus as their healer. The crowds that had sat under his teaching and been fed by his hand had made determinations on who they thought Jesus was as he taught like no one had ever taught before. Who is Jesus? People are still searching and seeking and asking the question today. There are certain comparisons that can be made of the culture of that day and the culture of this day. The enemies look different. The attacks have a different form. The slavery has a different look. But people are seeking answers. 
who is Jesus. People are, people are searching like never before for answers that will give them peace and hope. For, for ways to escape from the addictions and the issues that they have. And they're asking, who is out there? Amen. Who is Jesus? Our text this morning, we find that Jesus and his disciples are headed into Jerusalem just before Passover. Say Passover. Passover, arguably, is the greatest of the feasts. The feast which commemorates the sacrifice of the spotless lamb. The shedding of the blood for payment for sin. The painting of the blood above the doors as a protection from the angel of death. What a symbolic feast it is as the time for the ultimate sacrificial lamb had arrived. They were headed to the Passover feast, as were hundreds if not thousands of Jews that were headed to Jerusalem. Whenever I read this passage, after several weeks ago, you'll recall that we, we preached on the woman at the well and the woman, remember what the woman said? She said, our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. You people, you worship in Jerusalem. They were gathering in Jerusalem, friends, the sacred place that they thought worship had to take place. And they were gathering for the celebration of the slain Passover lamb. Little did they know. Little did they know what was about to happen. I chose to read from Matthew's gospel this morning. We could have read parallel texts from the other gospels. Amen? And each of them have their own kind of characteristic of, of what the gospel writers choose to illustrate in their writing of the Gospels. They're all a little different, aren't they? But they all kind of bring forward certain aspects of, especially on an event like this, what events, how this event took place and aspects of that event. The main focus of Matthew's writing is to prove that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, which means the Anointed One. That is the focus of Matthew's Gospel, Bible students. You with me? Jesus can also be interpreted as the name Joshua in Greek, which means the Lord saves. Matthew's goal was to convince his readers that the Messiah, the King of Kings, has come. With this in mind, he uses some words and some names and some expressions that the Jews are familiar with. Understand and remember, Bible students, that the gospel writers wrote so that the people of the culture could understand what was going on. Amen? Sometimes that confuses us in our culture. Always read the Bible in context. Huh? Amen. 
One of the unique phrases that Matthew uses is the expression, that it might be fulfilled. Amen. That it might be Amen. fulfilled. Say fulfilled. fulfilled. We don't have time today to look back at all that was fulfilled in the life of the Messiah Jesus. It would take us a very long time to thoroughly explore the Old Testament and point to what was fulfilled in Jesus that had been prophesied. Matthew is enamored by that idea and he uses this phrase several times in his gospel that it might be fulfilled. Fulfilled, that it might be fulfilled. That it might be fulfilled which is spoken by the prophets. In the case of this particular passage, we see the fulfillment of one of the things that was written by the prophet Zechariah. In the first three verses of this text, we see that Jesus had sent two of his disciples into town up ahead to find a donkey and a colt. The disciples had asked Jesus many times, when will you establish your kingdom? Do you remember? Man, time and time again, they heard him teach. They watched him as he touched people when they were healed. Can you imagine, can you imagine being a disciple and seeing him call forth to the tomb, Lazarus, come on out. Amen. And they would ask him, they would ask him, when are you going to take over? When is your kingdom going to take place? They were tired of the captivity. They had lived under Roman rule. They had lived under the thumb of, of Roman centurions and, and soldiers that had occupied the place where they lived and they had to be careful every step they took and every word that they said. And they asked Jesus, when will you establish your kingdom? As they got close to Jerusalem, guys, as they, as they neared the city, and I can imagine them, and I've not been there, but I've seen some pictures that you could see, you could see the skyline of, of Jerusalem on the horizon, and they're nearing Jerusalem, and they're coming to these towns, like Bethany, where the two Marys lived, remember? It was right outside of Jerusalem. They're coming to the two towns. And these guys must have been thinking, here we go. Huh? Yeah. When? Will you establish your kingdom? Here we go. Here we go. Can you imagine the anticipation? Did these disciples have any idea that in going to find a donkey, they were participating in the fulfillment of Scripture? I love how God uses people, you guys. I just love it. We see it in our day. Amen? Amen. We see it in our day. But... But, you know, they're, they're winning. They're thinking, this is it. And Jesus says to two of them, go into town, bring me back a donkey and a colt. Huh? Did these two disciples have any idea that they were participating in the fulfillment of Scripture? Had they read the words of the prophet Zechariah? Look at verse 5. 
Say to his daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you gentle, riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. You can read that in Zechariah 9 if you care to. You see, friends, the simplest task. Just going to fetch a donkey and her foal can land you in God's purpose for that moment. Huh? The simplest thing. Done in obedience to him. You have no idea what the ramifications might be of you simply being obedient to what he's asked you to do. If you are living in obedience to the master, he can use you in the simplest ways to accomplish his will and to build his kingdom here on earth. So who is Jesus, friend? Who who is Jesus? He's the fulfillment of what the prophets had been saying for centuries. This is who is Jesus number one this morning. He is the fulfillment of what the prophets had been saying for centuries. And fulfilled here in such a simple, beautiful way. Sent two guys forward to bring me a donkey and her calf. For the fulfillment of Zacharias' prophecy. It blows me away. Is this what the disciples had been hoping for, had been dreaming about? You see, we humans have a habit of seeing things through our human, natural, earthly perspective. We're going to talk about that next Sunday morning, real early. (laughs) You see, Jesus, who is Jesus number two? He is the servant king. He is the humble, gentle servant king. His entry in Jerusalem on this day is his entry into suffering, into servanthood, into the beginning of the process leading him to Calvary. Years I spent in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified. We sang it this morning, didn't we? Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. The process, listen, the process is beginning right here. This is the moment. His servanthood is illustrated in the humility of not riding a great white horse with soldiers and chariots and shields and spears, but riding a donkey's colt. Servanthood. Say servanthood. Look at verse 7. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on him for Jesus to sit on. So the disciples took their jackets off and said, the donkey and colt didn't come with saddles. 
<laughs> they put their cloaks on him for him to sit on, and they and and I don't know if they hoisted him up. I kind of have this vision of the disciples around him and, and kind of hoisting him up and, and sitting him on the A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them out on the road. The two disciples went and got a donkey and a colt. The crowd had found out, here he comes. And they started to gather. They started to gather. Let's first look at these branches that were spread upon the road. The writer of the Gospel of John gives us a little bit more detail here. These branches are described as palm branches. Palm branches carries some symbolic meaning. The Bible's full of symbolic meaning, isn't it? First of all, palm branches were often used in the celebration of victory and in King David's time, they used them to honor him as royalty. Celebration of victory, honor David as royalty. This fact of the history of the palm branches makes a perfect connection to the true identity of Jesus. Who is Jesus? He is proclaimed here as the King of Kings. He is proclaimed here as the king of kings in the placing of palm branches on the road as he entered. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords, friends. Can you negotiate in your mind the combination of what we said a few minutes ago, the ultimate servant and the king of kings? I hope you can grasp that concept, that idea in your mind. It's kind of like trying to get the, the thought or the concept in my mind that, that God the Father is the great creator who created all of the universe, yet he loves little old me. You know? You know? It, it's, it, it's a servanthood... Yet it's the kingship. Palm branches also represent the priesthood. The priesthood. Listen, a palm tree takes 30 years to bear fruit. And a man could not become a high priest until he was at least 30 years old. How old is Jesus here? He's 30 years old. He's 30 years old. Who is Jesus, if you're writing them down? He is the great high priest. Who is Jesus? The palm trees represent him as king of kings and lord of lords, but they also represent the 30-year placement of the great high priest. Are you with me? Amen. Now, priesthood is an interesting concept. When I say the word priest, those of you who have a Catholic background have certain thoughts in your mind. 
Here's the basic principle idea of a priest. A priest is one who takes his place between man and God. The priest finds himself in the position between man and God, bringing the truth of God to the people, bringing the prayers of the people to God. Think of that between position of of priesthood. You see, Jesus is the great high priest, friends. It says that he sits on the right hand of the... I'm getting ahead of myself. He sits on the right hand of the Father making intercession for you and I. There is a priest that is placed between you and the Father, and it is the great high priest Jesus, and he, it is a never-ending, eternal, completely faithful priesthood. We can go home now. He is the great high priest. He is the king of kings and lord of lords. Who is Jesus? We see that they also spread garments before him. So intermixed with the palm branches, people were taking off their outer garment and putting them on the road in front of him. The word garment here is talit or prayer shawl. Oh, hold on. That puts us in a different context here. Which was a seamless garment with four corners with a tassel attached to each of the four corners to remind the Jewish people of all the commands of God. They still wear prayer tallets today. Upon its collar, the Hebrew letters spell Lord of Lords and King of Kings on the prayer tallet. as a symbolic reminder of the promised Messiah. By laying their talents down, the people were acknowledging Jesus. Come on. The people were acknowledging Jesus as God's promised one. Who is Jesus? He is God's promised Messiah. So that I can understand it better, I, I should go back and read this again. But the talit is, is, a, is a prayer garment, and across the top or the collar of the, of the talit is, in Hebrew words, King of kings and Lord of lords. Who did they lay that down before? the King of kings and Lord of lords, the coming King and King of Lord of lords. Jesus, Jesus is, the, is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the Messiah that they had been waiting for. Those, listen, those who wore the shawl, they were waiting for Messiah. They were declaring by the putting down of their shawls, of their talents, that Jesus was the one worthy to be called Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Wow. What beautiful symbolism. Who is Jesus? The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna, to the son of David. 
Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heavens, they shouted. Let's read that again. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, say shouted. That's a pretty wimpy shouted. <laughs> Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. The crowds had gathered, and the shouts and songs of praise to the king had arrived with them. What did they proclaim? What did they shout? What did they sing? Well, it says they shouted, Hosanna. The word Hosanna is only used a few times in Scripture, friends. Hosanna is often translated, please save us. Oh, that puts it in a different context, doesn't it? Please save us. It is a Greek word that most scholars believe is the transliteration of two Hebrew words, yasha, which means to save or deliver, and ana, which means, please, I beseech you. The people were shouting and singing to the king of kings, please save us. Who is Jesus? He is the savior of the world. He is the savior of the world. And by shouting Hosanna, they are they are proclaiming and beseeching, you are the Savior of the world and the King of kings and the Messiah and the great high priest. Please come and save us. I went a long time thinking that Hosanna was just another word of praise, like hallelujah. But it's not. It has this connotation of, I'm desperate for you, God. I need you. Please come and save us. The crowd shouted, Hosanna. Hosanna is followed by the phrase, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Bible scholars see a shift in the emphasis of Hosanna here. And, and I don't claim to be. I, I really don't. I spend a little time. I, we've got great resources these days. But scholars see a cry for help to, to, to Hosanna kind of shifting as a shout of praise, proclaiming, he who comes in the name of the Lord will certainly save us. Yes. Not just, hey, you, can you give us a hand here? <laughs> it's a little beyond, hey, 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 the guy there on the donkey. Dude, can you help us out here? Can you, can you give us a hand? No, 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 no. It's... It's, you most certainly are the one who can help us. Whew. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, please help us. Combination. Put those two. Understand, the original language of the scripture is what we, is what we want to understand and what we get are translations. Amen? 
and 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 I want you to I want you to understand that I I want to say to you that I believe that the Word of God is absolutely true and absolutely perfect in its original um, ordained form by the voice of the Holy Spirit to the writers. Amen. You with me? Amen. King James, he was awesome. He didn't write the original. As much as you may think that he did. As some may think that he did. The various translators through the years... They've taken and they've, and, and they've studied the original texts and they've brought them to us in a form that, 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 that help us to understand. I believe that. I believe that, guys, of all the anointed servants, of all the anointed servants in the church through the years that would take the scripture and help us to understand it by translating it. Have you heard of Wycliffe? Wycliffe Bible Translators is a worldwide ministry of translating the scriptures into native languages. People are understanding the scriptures in their own language for the first time ever through the ministry of Wycliffe Bible Translators all over the world. Remember last week I said, feet of Jesus? You talk about putting feet in the sandals of Jesus. Wycliffe Bible Translators have done that for years. I went on a little rabbit trail there, didn't even warn you. You see, Bible scholars see this shift in emphasis here from just, help, we need you to save us, to you will certainly save us. <laughs> it is a proclamation of assured salvation. He is here. He is the Savior. Surely, say surely, surely he will save us. They also shouted, Hosanna where? Do you remember? In the highest heaven. In the highest heaven. The salvation that they were crying out for was salvation that had its origin in heaven. Hosanna, help us, in the highest heaven. Who occupies the highest heaven? God the Father. The origin of of this salvation is a heavenly origin. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. The origin of this salvation is from the heart of the heavenly father. Oh my. I... Oh, can we understand that? Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? The origin of Jesus is from the heart of his heavenly Father. Amen. Who is Jesus? Remember Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. He's a spitting image of his daddy. Who is Jesus? He is the Son of the heavenly Father, Sent from heaven for our salvation. Hmm. Who is Jesus? He is the Son of the Heavenly Father, sent from heaven for our salvation. Look at verse 10. I love this. When Jesus entered the city, remember we talked about he was, he was back there, he could see the horizon of the city. Could see it on the on the hillside coming up. 
He enters the city. Any of you been to the Holy Land? No, nobody? Field trip. No, sorry. We do have friends that have been bugging us to go along to the Holy Land. I envision a gate in the wall. And this road, this road led up to the city. Most certainly uphill. And as, and as they approached and they got closer, I think it went from a two-lane to a four-lane because there's going to be more traffic. And I think it had been recently repaved. That's how I envision it. That's how I envision it. Nothing like a highway right after they pave it, amen? They did the streets in Valley Forge Drive in Fairfield last year, and, and, and it's, it's smooth, and it's perfect, and it's beautiful, and I drive too fast. It says, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city, say the whole city. Folks, the word had gotten out. Something was going on. Something was happening. This was not just your, your average guy coming for a visit. It said the whole city was what? What's the word? Stirred. Stirred. And they asked, who is this? Or, as we've been saying, who is Jesus? They asked, who is this? It, 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 it's, kind of a, it's kind of a funny scene if you think about it. Here's a guy riding on a donkey. And, and, and there are garments underneath him so that he has a bit of a saddle. And, and he's, coming up, he's coming up the four-lane road. And there's people all around there shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heavens. And, and yeah, I would think that people are wondering what is going on. Now, as in any culture and in any city, individuals, some individuals knew more about what was going on than others. Make sense? Yeah, I think so. You remember who Jesus had most of his arguments with? The religious leaders. You're, you're coming up the hill on the newly paved road, and up there on the wall, there were a couple of them standing like this. Okay? They're wanting to see what's going on. What's happening here? Something's happening here. The whole city was wound up. <laughs> Okay? The whole city was stirred. And in unity, they're all asking, so who is this? Who is this? Well, we, back earlier in our passage, we talked about those who had formulated their opinions of who this is. Some who had maybe sat on a hillside watching him teach. I think 
there are some folks in the crowd who heard him teach the Beatitudes. Huh? I think there are probably some folks in the crowd who had a bite of the fishes when they went from a little basket of fishes in a kid's thing and they were spread out throughout the whole crowd. I think there are some folks in the ground who ate some of the bread. When Jesus broke the bread and blessed it and suddenly thousands were fed by his hand. I think there were some folks in that crowd. And so they had formulated in their minds and in their opinions who this is. <laughs> so here's, uh, here's Stanley and Joe and, uh, and, and Gary. And one of them says, so who is this? And Stanley says, you know what? I was sitting on the hillside that time, and I got some of the bread. Where he and, and, and Gary's over here, and he says, yeah, yeah, and you know, that's the guy that, do you remember that guy that used to beg alongside of the road that couldn't get up and walk? And do you remember the blind person by the pool? This is the guy that touched them, and they got up and went. This is, this is that guy. And, and the guy in the middle goes, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> I, my mind does crazy things. I'm sorry. <laughs> Who is this guy? And he enters through the gate into the city. And he knew his death was near. Who is Jesus? says the whole city was stirred. There's a new king who has come, friends. He's a servant king, the Messiah, sent from the heavenly Father to save the world. That's who he is. He didn't arrive in Jerusalem to free the city and the Jews from the Romans. He arrived in Jerusalem to be the perfect, spotless, once-for-all lamb that was slain in complete fulfillment of the Passover. He has come not to bring political change and victory, but to deliver all mankind from the slavery of sin. Amen. That's who this is. Amen. He, he didn't arrive to make the kind of changes that the disciples wanted because they are about to go through a few days of pure hell if you'd pardon my French. They are about to go through some days. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? This moment, this moment of triumph. The disciples are psyched. They are fired up. The whole city is stirred up. Here we go. Huh? They're walking the high. They're riding the wave. Their guy is in charge. And it's going to just only be more in charge. And a couple days later, what do we find out? Yes. You see these contrasts. You see the king of kings on a donkey. 
you see folks shouting Hosanna, waving whatever they could get in their hands, putting them on the ground in front of him, palm branches, whatever they could find to commemorate his arrival. There are these contrasts. Next Sunday morning, real early, I'm going to talk about expectations. And I'm going to give you a heads up of something to think about between now and real early. <laughs> next, next, next Sunday morning, when, when the women went to the tomb on Easter Sunday morning, what were they expecting? I throw that out there for your thought this week. And then I will work that idea a little bit next Sunday morning, real early. You see, friends, he came, he came to blow away all previous expectations. And we see that here, don't we? We see that here. You see, if he had, if he had come simply as, as fulfillment and completion and victory over a political entity, that would have lasted a year or two. He didn't come for a temporary fix. He came as the spotless once and for all lamb that was slain to free man from sin. That's not a temporary fix, that's an eternal fix. He came for eternity. And his disciples, they, it's like they heard him talk about this stuff and they just never grasped it. Huh? Amen. Yeah, don't you see that? Amen. We'll talk about that again, about, about the fact that, 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 that the Marys came back and said to the disciples, We've, the Lord has risen. They didn't believe him. We'll talk about that again next Sunday morning early. He came in contrast to what was expected. Amen. In contrast to what was expected. Who is Jesus? Have you answered that question in your own life? Who is Jesus? Have you answered that question in your own life? He was sent from the Heavenly Father for you. Hosanna. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heavens. The source of this salvation is the gift of the heavenly Father in his only Son. <laughs> Not what was expected. Right? Right? Pray with me. Father, thank you for your word. <laughs> Help us understand who you are. Help us understand the pure truth of the nature of he who rode into town on a donkey that day. Help us, Lord, to grasp how true it is that you love us and your love has been shed down in the form of your son, Jesus. 
Now we'll honor you this week and we'll give you praise and we look forward to celebrating your glorious resurrection and victory over sin. All God's people said amen.